back to Gifts of the Maji that has been delayed probably longer than COVID. Um, I'm not sure what number this is going to be. I'm going for number three, since the original three and four are still shelved. Uh, plus, uh, I wanted to go with a female guest right away so that it doesn't become sausage party of the Maji. So today, my guest is somewhat, I don't know, long-term is a matter of opinion, my friend, Elizabeth. Hello. Hi, Elizabeth. It's great to have you. It's great to be here. I know we're in my house, but, you know, metaphysically speaking, it's great to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that mortgage payment every month makes it glad to be here. That's right. That's right. And they can't kick you out for another 30 days. <laughs> That's, that's what I always tell my partner or girlfriend or whoever is living there with me. And the cats, you know, oh, we, get, we don't get kicked out for another month. Yay! That's nice. I'll have to start celebrating with my cats. I think so. <laughs> Even though they're an ungrateful lot. Yeah. But we're going to get back to the beginning. It's like uh, we have been friends now going on nine years. Wow, yeah. I know. I have a thing for math. Do you, do you recall <laughs> how we met? I do. I do. Tell the lovely audience at home. We were in Dragon's Lair waiting to meet George Takei in the line, um, and we just happened to be next to each other, and we were, we were pretty early on in the line. We weren't that far from the front, really. But, but it was hot. It was really hot. And the air conditioner was broken at Dragon's yes. Lair. But at least we weren't outside. A lot of people were outside, and we got to be indoors, and we were there for about, I want to say, three hours before he showed up. So we got there pretty early. Like, he showed up on time. We were just there for three hours. <laughs> that yeah. that just, just demonstrates his appeal, how much people love Mr. Sulu. It's true. And, and gosh, so many other things he's been. A bad guy in Star Wars, like a Nemoidian general. He was Somebody, on Archer. That's right. Who did he play in Archer? He played Yakuza, didn't he? Oh, right, when, when Pam was into um, uh, drifting. Yeah. Yes, and he's also an evil... He is the warden of a prison of earthbenders for the Fire Nation in Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but I do know with Star Wars, he was, oh, I have a fat voice. Is that why? <laughs> <laughs> but when you got to meet him, what did he talk to you about? Well, I froze up pretty bad, so I ended up not saying many words at all. He tried to coax me into talking. Really? Yeah, he, he tried to kind of get my guard down, but I said almost nothing overall. Oh. He said, who is this for? I said, for my brother. And he said, oh, you're such a good sister. I said, uh-huh. <laughs> and then silence, starstruck. And uh, that was sad for both of us, I think. Aw. Me, being a, a whore, uh, a fame <laughs> whore, I had no problem. I was like, oh, it's such an honor to meet you. Yes, who's this for? And then I said, it's for me. And I, or, and I think I also had one for my friend Nelson. I always get him Star Trek things. But I asked him about the Archie comic he was in, where the, the, they have a gay character in Archie called Kevin. And they all had to do a term paper. And uh, Kevin chose... George Takei, Archie did Muhammad Ali, and obviously Jughead did Colonel Sanders, you know, because yeah. he loves food. Uh, Veronica did a Kardashian, ew. But I told him, I said, Mr. Mr. Takei, it's such an honor to meet you. And I said, what do you think about 
how cool it was to be in an Archie comic. And he said, as a boy, I often read Archie comics. I never dreamed one day I'd be in one. <laughs> <laughs> that voice. I just love that voice, too. It's great. But it's just like, man, what I'd give to be in an Archie comic. Because, I mean, Archie comics are on the rise. despite River, Despite Riverdale. Yeah, I, I watched that show for... A hot minute, but I gave up on it pretty quick. Well, right, because you've already seen it. It's called Twin Peaks. Right, yeah, it is a lot like Twin Peaks. And the comics the comics are really good, the reboot, but yeah. it's not really a reboot. It's but, just... but when did Miss Grundy get attractive? That is odd. That is yeah. odd. I'll never, give that. never in my, in my wildest imagination of 80 years of Archie comics would Archie and Miss Grundy be doing the horizontal mambo in the summer. Yeah. That's just like... That was a weird twist. That was like... Ew. Yeah. You know, you got a lot of explaining to do to Betty and Veronica now. I know, yeah. Well, Betty wasn't into him last I was watching. I, I don't know. And over the years, too, he had a, also dated Valerie of Josie and the Pussycats on he the did. side, showing that, you know, Valerie likes a little cream in her coffee. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Now we've turned into the R-rated Archie podcast. So we were sitting around, we're waiting, we met George Decay, and then we killed the time with various stories, and you were telling me about how you just got done with law school. I had at the time just gotten done with law school. Your way to take the bar, right? Yes. Yeah, that was before, I guess that was uh, 2000... It's 2012. It's 2012, yeah. And I took the bar in 2013, passed the bar in 2013, and opened my law firm January 1st of 2014. Wow. And you passed the bar on the first try. Yes. That's amazing because I've always heard a lot of people, it's normal to fail it the first time because it's a, such a hard test, that it's normal to pass on the second. How did you pull it off passing on the first sweep? I am good at standardized tests and also I studied really hard and focused on it and that was basically all I did for a month and a half, or three months I guess, was study for the bar, um, and I'm glad that I didn't fail because it's a two and a half day test. It's expensive to take and too. And it's expensive. It's like a thousand dollars. It is, yeah. Wow. What was the emphasis that year? Because I've also been told from fellow lawyers such as past guest Mark that the emphasis changes every year. Sometimes it's, it's property, sometimes it's criminal. It's like everybody has to pass the same bar even though their specialization is a completely different thing and you're like oh god it's tort and that's not my thing right so they they do a collection of things but one of the big essay questions was family law which was cool for me it was about protective orders so I've done a lot of those and I've researched domestic violence a lot so that was a really good fit for me uh yeah I mean my job has a lot to do with domestic violence but also um they have these specialized other tests that you can take to become board certified. And so that's what you take to have kind of a specialization. But yeah, the overall test is just snippets of everything. And so, and because we're in Texas, we have to learn oil and gas because that's part of our constitution, basically. Right. right. Foundation of everything in Texas as no, well. No guns? I thought there'd be guns. You know, there aren't any guns, I think just because they're, it's implied in every question. <laughs> <laughs> So there's some truth to the character in The Simpsons. Yeehaw! Exactly. Yeah. Uh, what What do you do with the oil well that you find on your property? 
And also, you have guns, correct? So you're right. Yes. <laughs> Did you have to ask? <laughs> it's always in there. Acts of God. They should, they should replace the star and the flag with a 45. They should, <laughs> They yeah. should. So anyways, we were waiting in line, and we are talking about that. And uh, I do remember laughing about how you were impressed about me having a timeshare in Las Vegas. <laughs> I don't know why people... It's like, it's just an apartment one week a year. It's all it is, you know. Um, and then we were definitely talking about gaming because it's Dragon's Lair, which is comics and Dungeons and Dragons and everything assorted to that. Right. And, and then I recall you wanted to invite me into a game because your spouse at the time wanted to run a game. And then a week later when I met your spouse, Things got flipped where everybody believed my boring old GDW war stories and I became the dungeon master. <laughs> you did a good job. We followed a lot of... We, we did a fair number of adventures. I think I think we had a good time. I know your spouse, your ex-spouse was a bit frustrated. Like he didn't get to kill everybody on the spot that got away, <laughs> especially the one that I had with a picture of Eminem as the villain because <laughs> I can't stand that guy. But... Uh, and I, I, I know I had to prod you guys in the right direction because you wanted to become villains yourself selling fish balls to orphans. I well, I mean, <laughs> when you're out in the world, you know, Dungeons and Dragons is just like real life, except that it's a fantasy and not real life. So True. if in the real world I had the opportunity to sell fish balls to orphans, I wouldn't, but also I was playing a character. That's true. And we still have <laughs> the ever so wonderful Opal the Warrior. I and now I'm kicking, my, kicking myself. I forgot to bring my computer so we could order your colored mini on my system. And, oh. Uh, and, oh, we'll do it another time, uh, possibly when our new players show up. Uh, so, but only you get a colored one because I've in, we've invested enough time in playing and with your heroine to do that. I don't give colored minis to strangers because those things are 45 bucks a pop. Although I have some free ones from the Kickstarter, but... You were one of the people I reserved for. You and Mark Bruner got one. Um, can't remember, I, I can't remember who else got reserved one. But I do have one reserved for your ex as well since uh, they deserve it. They, they played a good game. But we had a, we had a good time. We were still doing, uh, for those who are into it, we were still doing the larger arc of what's called Curse of the Crimson Throne story, which is great. And uh, I found out... I think we just had a visit from Fonzie. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I found out from the Paizo site, the publishers, there is a sequel coming out this Ooh. summer, ten years later. Even wow. though, even though we only got through maybe the first of six long, long chapters. And I still never got my Griffin egg. That was one of the things I saved up. I was very, my dwarf was very big on keeping money and burying it every night under the rock that was her pillow until she had a safer place to put it very briefly and then went back to the rock and uh, bought a griffin egg that, and then there was the blockade and trades were shut down. Well, little did I know that that scenario uh, predicted COVID. <laughs> That's true. In real life, I also ordered a griffin egg and I have no idea where that is. In real life? <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Well, I think I could work it out because they, they've gotten better on the rules of flying. Uh, flying is a hard thing to do in the game because of um, how easily certain creatures can turn. 
Oh, I thought yeah. you were talking about the real world, because in the real world, they've also gotten better about the rules on flying. <laughs> that too. Well, yeah. actually, then they got worse, because they said no masks, but that's a... <laughs> <laughs> the griffin has to wear a mask, too. Right. Oh, no. <laughs> Art imitates life yet again. That's right, and then there's some druids who are just anti-mask and so forth, but before we get way off the beat, <laughs> besides that... We're also into, uh, you got me into some new board games, because there was a lot of fun board games at your house. Yes. Uh, I think my favorite is not a board game, that salad bowl thing. Oh, that was so fun. Yeah. And I, you can play that anywhere, which is nice. That is true. Can, would you explain to the folks at home what salad bowl is, because I can't. <laughs> yes. So everybody, it's, it's best with a group of probably four or more, to be honest. Everybody's got maybe five slips of paper and everyone writes something on the slip of paper. The first round, everybody is basically playing charades. Right. So you have to act it out. I think actually the first round is where you're trying to describe it without saying it right. and people guess it. The second round is charades because then everyone's heard the words at least once and tries to guess it. And then the third round, you can only say one word and the other people have to guess it. Like password. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's other games put together. Wasn't there a restriction on what could be written on the slip? No. <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on who you're playing with. True, because your, your cousin's husband loved to put the filthiest things possible. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe for different audiences, you pretend that there's rules about... <laughs> but there weren't any actual rules. It just... It just depended on the audience. It was a lot of fun, though. It was. It's a really yeah. good game. And then the other board game I loved we played, but we could never get very far, was the one where we got, where these fantasy heroes and heroines who get turned into mice. Oh, yes. And we have to fight spiders and rats. And and uh, we never get... I think we got as far as this. We got through the kitchen and the sewer. And then it's right. Just, it was just a struggle, but it was a lot of fun. It was, yeah. I, I really liked that idea that I could be a mouse. Yes. That appealed to me. As someone who's already short, I felt that that was just a big leap in character to imagine being a mouse. Normally, I like being giants or trees, but it's hard. Well, then why is your main heroine a dwarf? <laughs> yeah, I guess I just enjoy being short. That's okay. <laughs> But she also wields a giant hammer, yes. double-handed weapon, so she's got some strength. But then I started going to the gym, so I guess art imitates life and life imitates art. So, so you plan on crushing a horse yes. across the head like that one time. Absolutely, and I plan on getting a double-handed hammer, mallet, whatever you call that in fancy talk in yeah. the fantasy realm as soon as possible and just start hitting everything with it, mm. to be honest. A horse, I mean, the equivalent of a horse now is cars, so I think just smashing some cars with the giant hammer would be good. Well, if you go after those F-350s that don't signal on Mopac, I'm in favor <laughs> of that. So that, we like the games. And then the other thing we did is we love Mystery Science Theater. Yes, and Rift Tracks. And Rift Tracks. We've done, done, uh, I've done a lot of Rift Tracks at your house. Yes. And one of these days, we're going to find... The one I wrote a joke for that actually went over well. It went over better than I thought. Oh, that's fantastic. But the Blu-ray is with uh, another person. I have to... I still talk to her uh, and all, but I, I can't remember where she lives. I mean, we still talk and exchange jokes and so forth. We just don't date anymore. If oh. we could call it that, I don't know. Um, 
but uh, but she has my Blu-ray of it, and it's the attack. It's the is this terrible seventies movie that was made in a hurry in the wake of Jaws. And Love the, it. Yeah. Oh, it's it gets better. It gets better. <laughs> Good start. It, it gets better. So it's this giant spider. Well, it started out as a meteorite, and then there's spider eggs, and one of the spider eggs turns into a giant spider the size of an RV, huh. terrorizing northern Wisconsin. Okay. Oh, it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> and the biggest actor in it is Alan Hale, oh. the skipper. Oh. And boy, does he play into the skipper. I do love the skipper. I love Alan Hale. I wish he still had that fish restaurant I heard he had that he had to give up. Oh, that's but sad. My biggest regret, though, is when I was a freshman at Marquette, the opening weekend for orientation, him and Bob Denver were down at the lake for some radio station and being a jaded 18-year-old. I was like, nee, whatever. Even though I love Gilligan and the Skipper. They, of they, course. And, and I would also go with Mr. Howell. Yeah. yeah. Mm, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he is the only big-name actor in this movie. Uh, although, one of the rednecks who gets killed, I found out, played a Klingon judge in Star Trek VI. <laughs> so, when I looked at the credits of some of these people, there were a lot of, uh, uh, you would ca call, what, what Bruce Campbell called Heyman Eggers. Oh. You know, working actors who yeah. did okay. They all just went to Wisconsin for the summer to just get work, and they all had real careers doing other things. They're just in the Brian Dennehy category of, you look familiar, but I can't place the name. Right. Well, Wisconsin for the summer is not a bad plan because they've got the sailing. They've got the ice cream from all the cows up there. That's the school that has farming as a section. So if you go to um, the University of Wisconsin, you can get some good custard up there. Oh, yeah. But this is way north, like touching Canada. This is That's this is This is re remote, such as uh, not even Green Bay, further over, Rhinelander. People do weird things on vacation. A place, a place I found out, I met a guy <laughs> who grew up in Rhinelander and said they still had party lines in the mid-70s. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's pretty primitive phone technology. That is. That's very uncomfortable phone technology as well. <laughs> yes. But the movie is very hilarious because the spider is poorly made and the legs, and you can see the mechanical stuff and the people running away from it. Oh, perfect. It's just hilarious. And then the gratuitous TNA. Uh, I mean, you don't see any naked bodies, but I mean women in their underpants for some reason. Sure. And it just, it just goes on, and it's really funny. I mean, to be fair, the first thing I do when I see a spider is take off all of my protective clothing and just have the underwear to just make sure that I'm free to move about, you know? Yeah, and scream. And scream, ready to right. run, right. ready to scream. Yeah, but it was, it was very funny uh, in, in its horribleness, and this was not the first time the gang had made fun of the movie. There was a run of it at Mystery Science Theater, I think they had tried with Riff Tracks before, but this was a Kickstarter Riff Tracks, and I did go to the theater to see it presented live. Uh, I could only get one friend to come with me uh. to see it live, but I've got the Blu-ray. I do have proof <laughs> that the, the that you watch and you can hear the reaction to my joke. Uh, I did offer. Here's how it worked: is they the writer sent a, a thing saying, "Here's the guidelines." You got a copy of the movie ahead of time with a timeline. Oh, with the, that's the, the cool. timer, right. So you had to tell them exactly where in the time the joke starts and um, 
what you're referencing in the pictures. Look at that. And here's the part that was really funny. It blew my mind. I asked, really? They said, one of the golden rules is no Monty Python references. Huh. I know. And I asked, I wasn't going there, but any particular reason? They just said some people are just that lazy. Uh, so I was, yeah. I was, I'd seen the movie, I'd watched the movie anyway, and I thought, I, I can't get any Monty Python out of this. <laughs> I can't think of anything with spiders in them. Right. So, but uh, I did write, now I, I gave them 12 jokes, not to audition or anything. I just thought, you're professionals, I'm just a hobbyist. One of these has got to be good. Yeah. And they said, okay, take it down to five. I said, okay, down to five. And then they said, which one would you die on the hill on? And I said, this one. And they said, there we go. And uh, they actually moved it back a couple seconds. Huh. Uh, but it still worked really well. And I was really impressed uh, that it, the reaction it got. And I believe, um, who's, uh, who's brain guy? Roger? Roger read the joke. Oh, I think it was Roger. It wasn't Mike and it wasn't... Um, Who's, who's Tom? The guy, the ape guy, and also did Tom Servo originally. I forget his name. He could sing. Trace. Who? Trace Bailey. No, Trace is Crow. Yeah. Isn't it Kevin? Kevin. Yeah. Thank you. Was it Kevin and it wasn't Mike? It was, I believe it was Roger who read my joke. Oh, so, that's great. And uh, that was thrilling. So we'll hopefully do that. But we've seen many others. What are, what are some of your favorites? And then, oh, wait. How can I forget? We went. Yes. To what? It wasn't Joel's farewell, but it was the one before that. Right, and it was fantastic. And I wish that there had been a recording of it because it was so funny. What was it? Was it one of the Abraxas? Deathwalker Two. Deathwalker Two, and of course, I was totally lost because I hadn't seen the first Deathwalker. It didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't matter. It didn't matter. <laughs> I've seen the original Deathwalker. It was made in South America. It has nothing to do with Deathwalker 2, which was made in America. It wasn't even the same characters, right? Oh, yeah. Nothing not the same, same characters, not the same actors, not the same country. Nothing, yeah. just the name. It's, so, it's like Halloween and Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. They got nothing. <laughs> yeah, and that was great. I really wish there was a recording because I would love to watch it again. I know. But... I, I wish the touring show would have, a, would have a, a copy, but I guess it's some kind of you know copyright thing or something. But yeah, you were there. We got to see Deathwalker 2. Uh, with Jonah and uh, Jonah's wife, who was the mad sci other mad scientist. Where oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. they, they replayed the, uh, the specialized zoo for all the retired monsters. Remember that? Yes. Yes. Uh, I think your show had also the, the fashion show. That sounds correct. Yeah. yeah that does sound that And sounds a correct. band. Yes. And a band, too. Um, and I, I only remember, the only joke I remember is Jonah's thing of saying, wow, Christianity, pagan... Judaism, this show's got all the religions. <laughs> but what's your favorite riff tracks at your house we've done? Hmm. I, you know, it's hard for me to get past the Attack of the Puppet People. And the reason is the title has nothing to do with the movie. I actually really like the movie itself. It's able to be followed. And so it, it's hard to pass up Manos the Hands of Fate, but since that was originally MST3K and they did it so well, it's hard to really give that one to Riff Tracks because I already loved the movie from... Riff Tracks has done it too. Yes, they've done twice. it twice. And the Mads tour with it as well. 
I believe that. <laughs> that does not surprise me. Uh, but yeah, Attack of the Puppet People is a, just a great story. Lots of love and loss. Lots of shrinking people and wrapping them in plastic. So that's always good to see. And the jokes are just so funny. They did a great job with that one. But it, it's actually a good movie, except that the title... No, there's not a puppet in the whole thing. I don't understand. Is it symbolic, like Invasion of the Body Snatchers? No, and it's not an attack either. They're just kind of trying to live their lives. I don't... <laughs> None of it makes sense. I don't know if we watched that one with you, though. It doesn't sound familiar, but I've, but at my advanced age, I've been known to fall asleep halfway through. <laughs> well, there's other... You, 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 you and your ex-spouse would fill me with Mr. Gaddies, and then... <laughs> right. And then we'd try to watch a long movie, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For me, I'd have to go with the shorts. Oh, the shorts. The shorts are, so are just gold. I think my favorite short is the one with uh, an unknown Darren McGavin being the husband and the the beauty of the a new remodeled house with with the um, with Mike's wife Tracy. I think is his wife's name is. And then, um, gosh, I forget the other lady. She was Pam. Uh, Pam. She was Grandma. She was. Uh, Dr. Forrest's mom. Right. And Pearl. I forget Pearl, right. Pearl What's and her character name. But I um, can't remember the act the the woman's name because she has her own Mary, Mary Joe Peel. Yep. She used to live here. Did she really? Mm -hmm. She used to commute between here and Minneapolis. I don't think she lives here anymore. That is quite a commute. Yeah, but she does her podcast out of Minneapolis with the Mary Tyler Moore font uh, oh. font, which I do know. We use that at GDW. It's called now I forgot what it's called. <laughs> it was used for Challenge Magazine. Uh, and here's the funny part. Mary Jo Peel's main gig now is she writes for one of the Catholic magazines. One of the Catholic magazines? Like Catholic Digest or something. Is she Catholic? Well, it's a good chance in Minneapolis there are. Huh. Uh, right. Yeah, I know. You know. <laughs> oh, well. you know. Yeah. <laughs> have to be a pretty thin magazine. Right, know? yeah. What's there to write about? Who cares, you know? Because I, I know my grandmother got that kind of magazine, but it was in the 60s and 70s. So, But we, we've had a lot of fun times and laughing at that because the Rift Tracks people are very prolific. They are, and they write excellent jokes. They really have stayed amazing. Well, what I found out from the Kickstarter, the, the main three guys don't write very much anymore. <gasps> They have a staff of other people doing it for them now. Oh my gosh. But I think Mike's, uh, Kevin and Mike still do the songs. Well, that's, that's Cause, something. Because sometimes when you go to the live show at a theater, there's a song. They'll do a song, like Octoman. They did an Octoman song. Well, my world is still shattered, but it's good that they still do their own songs. It's okay. But <laughs> uh, it's, it's great. But I think what I really like, is, what, I, what does make Riff Tracks very interesting over what Joel, uh, Joel has now passed the baton with the Gizmoplex application and so forth. But he's, he will do a show. Now. He did in the Kickstarter, he would do a show. But he's handed the baton to uh, Jonah and my friend Kathy. You should remember the other young lady who is also trapped on the satellite of love. We met her. Um, I don't remember her name. The yeah. brown-haired girl? brown-haired woman? Yeah. I don't remember her name. Her last name. Her, her go-to name is... Oh, I can't remember. Because they always do a joke of what it is. Because Jonah is Heston for Charlton Heston. Oh. Joel was was Robinson for Lost in Space. Right. Michael kept his own last name, but that could be I Dream of Jeannie, Major Nelson. For my jumpsuit, I have Minnow, 
for <laughs> the SS Minnow of Gilligan's Island. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, and also that was uh, the guy who created Gilligan's Island is his way of making a dig at Newt Minnow, the head of the FCC. Um, if I remember the new lady who is trapped in the satellite, hers is, I want to go with, it's Ripley, I think. No, Connor. Oh. For the Terminator. Her, she's Connor. Okay. That's what she goes by. I knew it was something with James Cameron. <laughs> Ripley would be too obvious. Connor makes you think. But I, with the, what I love about Rift Tracks, too, is that they found a way to legally dodge um, being sued for doing a Rift Tracks on a more contemporary movie, such as Starship Troopers or Wizard of Oz or all those horrible Twitard vampire things. Right. You're talking about how they release just the audio and then right. you have to sync it up. Right. They and they have that app that listens to the video so that it syncs it for you. That's good. They, yeah, it, it kind of makes sure that you're on the same page. And there's an extra voice in those as well that will say the line that's in the movie. So there's an extra quote-unquote character that just says the exact line of the movie so you can make sure that you're paired properly. Oh, cool. Yeah. That is awesome. It's a little weird whenever that one comes up. It's very monotone. But yeah. it's it's a nice... But one thing setup. I will have to, if the Mads come back to Austin, I'll take you to that. I've taken Kathy to that. We had a good time. They did... Uh, the staged one was uh, Battle Beyond the Stars, which is Roger Corman craptacular science fiction starring John Boy of the Waltons and uh, John Saxon, who is B-movie royalty. And one of the victims was an unknown, uh, just getting started, Julia Duffy, who went on to be Stephanie on Newhart. Oh, wow. Yeah, she's one of the, <laughs> one of the native or girls or something they, they kidnap and... And so forth. And then she crashes the ship. And uh, George Papard, before his comeback in the A-Team, is in it. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that's just was there for a paycheck. But Battle Beyond right. the Stars, <laughs> that was their stage one. And then I did not know that, uh, given how Mystery Science Theater was done, which was rehearsed and scripted, I was very impressed to see that Frank and Trace could ad-lib as quickly with the Master Pancake team because there was a vote and the winner was uh, Octopussy. Oh! And we were laughing so hard and the person also editing the film quickly knew what to do where they, uh, there's a chase in Octopussy where Roger Moore and his assistant, of course, will be killed later. They're in a, like a, being India, it can't be a car chase, so it's more like a moped chase right. through the streets of New Delhi. And that was a key scene in the movie. And the guy running the film sped it up and quickly found the track, Yakety Sax. Perfect. It was great. Always but, uh, a favorite of yes. the Rift Tracks guys, the Mad guys, yes. the MST3K guys, yes. Yakety and, Sax and Golden Corral. And one of the guys, <laughs> one of the guys, they, um, one of the guys that was, uh, they, they have a rotating team for Master Pancake that's just more than John. The guy they had that night was somebody who was really good at impressions, and his Roger Moore was so funny. Oh, that's excellent. Especially like when the lady is showing in the hotel room, he's like, where's the Toblerone? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, those establishing shots of India, they always show the Taj Mahal, and somebody said, wow, they have a Cheesecake Factory here too. <laughs> so... Um, Hopefully, uh, they will come to Austin. You will not recognize Frank. He had uh, heart surgery several years ago. He's really thinned down. 
and he's very upset when he comes to Austin because he can no longer go to that uh, Gus's Memphis hot fried chicken place. Oh. He's not allowed fried foods. He's not allowed a lot of things. And he has to sit down. And uh, hopefully he'll forgive me because he blocked me on Twitter a couple years ago because we were arguing about Nancy Pelosi. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, he branded me a misogynist. I was like, I don't care what gender the Speaker of the House is. I think the Speaker of the House needs to do a better job vetting people who are candidates for the House, was what I was saying. Because right. we were arguing about that woman who got, uh, she lost her seat because the revenge porn from her ex-husband didn't work out, and she was sleeping with a number, member of her staff. And it was just, it's like, <coughs> excuse me, can't you find people who are boring like me? You don't have to pick me to run for office, but can't you find some people <laughs> who are boring in that they have their finances straightened out and they don't cheat on their spouses and they don't do questionable things. How, how hard is it to find in a country of 320 million people? I mean, that was my grandpa. He was in politics and right. he had no skeletons in his closet. He was just a workaholic and he did great things. Okay, well that gives us a good segue over to what well, I was going to avoid that, but we'd like to tell you... <laughs> Well, tell the audience at home that you are uh, descended from political uh, celebrity. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say royalty because nobody else after your grandfather really followed in that line of work of politics or anything. No, they all. He was also an attorney, and right. All of his kids except one became lawyers. So wow. Yeah, that's my, your dad. My dad's a lawyer. No, my dad's a lawyer. Really? He just never practiced. He went straight to journalism. Uh, one of his brothers is a doctor. Okay. But the other two are also lawyers, but they're practicing lawyers. Right. And then a lot of us cousins have law degrees as well. Wow. So we didn't go into politics, but we did go into talking a lot. So it's almost like the Habsburgs or the Spencers. Or <laughs> sure, exactly. <laughs> or what's, um, what's the one, the, the Royal Family of England? Um, uh, Angevins. That's yeah. A, yeah, go. a lot of people are like, who's the last <laughs> Angevin in England? Everybody goes like, uh, you know. It's like Richard III. A lot of people forget it's Richard III is the last of the Angevin dynasty. They always go with like some other John or Henry, and it's like, no. Anyway, so, but your grandfather is uh, in Texas politics. Uh, Mark knew right away who he was when I said his name. Uh, that uh, your grandpa was Aaron Babe Schwartz. That's right. Right? A great uh, member of the state, Texas state ledge from when? When to when? Like late 50s to the 70s or so? Um, it was when my father was a child, so that sounds about right. I'm not 100% sure, but the picture is down in the Capitol building. I know exactly where the picture is. Right, from the scavenger hunt on your birthday. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So we figured that one out. That was a fun scavenger hunt. That was awesome. To the Capitol. Uh, but yeah, so, so there's a, he, he was there for about a decade. Okay. Only a decade? I think so. Okay. Cause, cause, <laughs> no, right now we're living in an era where there's like till they die, you know? Oh, no. Well, and it's actually because he stood up for what he believed in. He was oh, one yeah. of the killer bees. And because of that, he hid out with a lot of the other uh, liberals to make sure that there wasn't a quorum so that they couldn't pass a bill that they disagreed with. And so because of that, all of them except one lost their re-elections. Because they did a similar stunt like in 2003 with the redistricting? Exactly. Wow. Well, and the redistricting was actually based on what they did. The Killer Bees were the first ones who did it. And okay. they hid out in one of the guy's garages for weeks 
They never left the state. They just were hard no. to find. Exactly. Well, that's amazing. Yes. Yeah. And one of them had to leave because he was claustrophobic, but the rest of them stuck it out as long as they could. But meanwhile, so yeah, that's pretty cool. Cause like your dad, your grandpa and the only other celebrity that Mark and I could remember is uh, maybe, I don't know if you were old enough. There was this horrible sheriff named Humpy Parker in the Houston area. Have you ever heard of him? No. He was this sheriff who got busted when I was there in the early eighties. Um, he water tortured people into confessions with a wet towel. How did no one catch that the second it happened? I don't know, but it just—he just always <laughs> sticks in my memory because Humpy. What kind of name is? What kind of right. nickname is Humpy? If someone like that gets elected to any kind of official position, you've got to keep an eye on him. Yeah, pretty he, close. He wasn't Harris County. He was like one of the neighboring ones or whatever. And now when I keep thinking of that name, I think of that guy from Digital Underground with the horrible glasses and the fake. I'm the sheriff. My name is Humpy. Humpy. <laughs> and if you don't confess, I'm going to wipe your face with a wet towel. <laughs> It's like, you're a pretty impressive sheriff because this towel says Holiday Inn on it. Hey, don't look at that. <laughs> <laughs> but let's move on about Elizabeth. So you, though, are not Texan like me. You grew up like in, I believe, the tri-state area, right? The, the real tri-state area, which is New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. Exactly. So I was born in New York City and lived there until I was six years old. Lived in Maryland until I was uh, 13 and then lived in New Jersey until college. Okay, because your dad, I remember, was a reporter. So if he went to Maryland, was he a reporter? I know he's with the New York Times, so that means Washington Post? The Washington Post, and before that it was Newsweek. Oh, I love Newsweek. Oh, that's right, that's right. The people who own, the lady who owned the Post owned the Newsweek magazine. I didn't know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> she owned both. Cause... I'm sure he knew that. Oh yeah, I hope he did. <laughs> Because I know the lady who owned it is the lady who owned the post that dealt with getting the the uh, the nasty insult from Nixon during Watergate. So um, the very inappropriate thing he said to her. Um, but I think Newsweek was sold separately in the, before Bezos took over the post. So you grew up over there, and you had a lot of visits to Texas, of course, to see Grandma and Grandpa. Exactly. And the cousins. Right. So it's one week every year for Christmas. So instead of, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, it was normal for me to come to Texas. Have for a brown a... Christmas. Exactly. It would be a white winter wherever I was, whether that was Maryland or New Jersey. And then I'd leave there and have a little paradise vacation for Christmas down here where there are palm trees. It's cool. quite a shift. The opposite of everyone else. That's right. That's right. <laughs> It's what I hoped for when my parents lived in San Diego, but then there was the cold snap of 88, so, so much. <clears throat> but a brown Texas in Christmas, that just sounds great. It's true, and actually, uh, my father and his friend, who was a New Yorker who moved to Texas, had dirt exchanges, so he got Texas dirt and put it under where I was born. So I was still born on Texas soil, just in New, New York, and he helped his friend by giving him New York dirt so that his children could be born on New York dirt in Texas. All right. That's pretty <laughs> funny. But there's no shame in it. Hank Hill was born in New York. Yes, but he was embarrassed about that every day, that is as true. I recall. As his rebuttal, though, yeah, yeah, change planes in Dallas, you're a Texan. <laughs> <laughs> I 
So then you grew up, and then you, and then why, why did you go to undergrad all the way in Michigan? You know, I was going and looking at different colleges, and I just fell in love with the University of Michigan. It was brick. It was absolutely gorgeous, and it felt like a really good place for me. Uh, the students were very focused on their education and much less on anything fun, and that really appealed to me. <laughs> It's a very, it's a very good school. And you were against fun? You know, I, I found my own fun. I've always been someone to find my own fun. I didn't have much in common with people who partied or anything like that. So The I 80s just, taught you nothing. They taught me nothing. I mean, I was born in 87, so it was just until I was three. But yeah, none of it stuck. Yeah, those, those well, by 87, those movies were on the way out, so. There you go. I, I grew up with them, and uh, when I got to college, there there wasn't a lot of nudity. There was just the swearing. There was no nudity in yeah. college? Well, not not like you'd want in those <laughs> movies, okay? Oh, but, okay. But there, okay. there was the swearing, and there was the drinking, and the puking, but. Sure. The hijinks were just not as good. Well, my dad's cousin was in Animal House, so obviously that's also in the family. And who is that? Bruce McGill. Known as D-Day. No, as no. D-Day. or is it Doomsday? D-Day or Doomsday? D-Day. D-Day, that's right, the driver. The one who uh, clicks on his neck the song. I forget like... that. I just remember he was the only one who had like a mustache, which was yes. out of style for the early 60s. That sounds right. And he, he looked like a greaser. He sort of is less interesting now in terms of a person. Oh. I've seen him in other things, I think, though. Yeah, he's done Star Trek and Babylon 5. There you go. Yeah, that's right. He was in, uh, well, he wound up replacing the actor who bailed in Babylon 5 to be on Star Trek. <laughs> Second choice. That's right. Well, he, they, they, have a, they have a blooper about him. They have a blooper of your uncle or your cousin doing that. Uh, and then he went on to be in, uh, I think, Voyager, where he was a Starfleet officer from the far future. So he, he gets around. He gets around he in does. sci-fi nerd circles. It's not always law and order. <laughs> <laughs> That's better than what I got. Distantly for me, Jackie Gleason, which now is who? <laughs> right. Yeah. Who's who's that? Oh, he's right there with Lawrence Welk. <laughs> Stumped him again. <laughs> so then you go to Michigan. You go there, and then law school. Right. Now, was, was Texas your first choice for law school? or I mean, Yes. Okay, because like, I have a friend. I don't know if you've met another friend. Uh, he's a friend of Mark and I. He went, uh, John Prazes, he went to Harvard. Oh. He got into Harvard Law School. No, I only applied to the University of Texas. Wow, you bet it all on one place. I did. I did. And I applied early enough that I got in before... They even really started accepting full applications. My two of my letters of recommendation weren't in yet. Okay, Let, clarify <laughs> that. I don't understand. I didn't know there was. I figured there's a deadline to get into school, but I don't understand. There is. So I submitted everything early, and I guess there's rolling admission where if you are above a certain qualification line, they'll just accept you without waiting for the whole package. Because if you do it early enough, they're just trying to kind of fill their roster, as it were. So later, yeah, they're going to look at everybody more critically, but before then, they just want anybody who's good, who meets their criteria. Okay. Because I'm, I'm sure you're not afraid to show your LSAT to Tucker Carlson. I am not. Okay. And he would be like, oh. Right. He'd have to do some math addition, 
and that would probably be difficult for him. And then he would still make that dumb face he always does. Right. So it's his natural <laughs> state. So it would be a waste of time. So I guess, uh, right, I'm not afraid to show my scores, but I would be nervous about how long I'd have to explain what the LSAT was to Tucker Carlson. Okay. Well, your ex told me it's, <laughs> it's mainly a, a test of logic and uh, re it's like reason, like of A to B yes. and this and that, it's, which is the form of math. Too. So, right. and then, then you, so you were probably excited. I get to go to Austin. I finally get to hang out in Austin. I get to live in Austin. Yes. Although I had already been here for two years before that point, I worked the session. I worked for the, uh, so you had some off years. So between finishing the undergrad and then, Oh, okay. You didn't just go jump right to law school. No, I did take the time off and I'm glad I did. One of the places I worked was Einstein's bagels. And that really gave me the drive I needed to finish law school because I, I would always think I could always go back to doing bagels and then my homework and massive reading list didn't look so bad. And you got to work at the, the, the good one, right? The one on the drag. Yes. Oh, I love that one. I wonder if it's still there. We'll have to go. It definitely is still there. Okay. I've seen it. It used to be what, to me and Kathy would remember, is the t next to the Tower of Records. Yeah, which was right. short-lived. Yeah, the short-lived Tower of Records. Right. Nobody cried about when it left. But, um, so you did that, and then law school, and then, ooh. And then, and then what type of, uh, when then you were in the big help, I think, I would say, is that you were already bilingual, because you got to go to immersion school right off the bat, right? I was in a school inside of the College of the University of Michigan that focused on language and the arts. So we had a lot of really interesting, unique classes that we could take, but also we had an intensive language program. Oh, okay. I thought you started a childhood like Aaron and your children, Aaron and Robin. You, you did the crash course as an adult. Yes, I did the crash course as an adult. I did not learn it like Robin and Aaron. I was okay until I went to college. Um, and I, I was good in high school. I did AP Spanish, but I wasn't anywhere close to proficiency until doing that program. Wow. And that's right. Aaron and Robin are in a dual language program right now for children and so at, at their daycare. So Aaron spoke Spanish better than English for a long time and still does. Still, sometimes when he's not reacting fast enough, I'll switch languages and he reacts a little faster in Spanish than English. That's amazing. Yes, and Robin's in her dual language program at her elementary school. Uh, I'll give you a little side story in that you cannot be outwitted. Um, <laughs> well, no, I have a friend, my friend again, the one who moved to the Netherlands. Uh, he has two little children as well. And his younger one, the daughter, is com she's six now she's the same as, as robin right yes six. uh her her name is penny she is fluent in english and dutch better than anybody else in the house and what happened one day is she hopped into the minivan where mom picked her up kirsten picked her up and said hey mom my classmate said it's okay to go to their house for a play date let's go and the playmate uh, is originally her family is from Israel, so uh, their ing their languages tend to be some some English, Hebrew, and sometimes French. I know French is really big in Israel, and the her playmate did not speak Dutch that well, but just goes along with it. And Kirsten, sadly, is the worst Dutch speaker in the house. Oh no! Well, she's a stay-at-home mom, which is a full-time job and then some. 
Right. No matter what country it is. Um, and then COVID is tighter over there. So, but she's like, okay. So she's driving, but she's like, I'm going to stay and hang around. And then she gets this phone call from the school saying, um, the other little girl's mom is here and her kid is missing. And they said they got yeah. into your minivan. <laughs> so there was a lecture to Penny of, you don't get to take advantage of being good at this language. You need permission to work this all out. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, Penny, Penny uh, maybe six, but she's very devious in that she's very skilled at that language already ahead of um, her dad and her brother. Jeremy is uh, going through uh, intensive classes and so forth because uh, for citizenship, uh, he's at the, he got grandfathered in where you have to be able to speak at an eighth grade level. Oh, they're, okay. they're raising it now to sophomore, junior high school level. Wow. Even, even some sophomores and juniors don't have sophomore and junior level. Yeah, probably even Dutch people can't do that. Right. Um, I know in America, we got Americans who can't do it in, our, in English. Um, so, yeah, but his son, his son is struggling with it because, you know, he was born here. He was raised here for a little while. And I think he's kind of like, poo yeah. on this. I, I would probably be the same way. But... Definitely how well it's going with Robin and Aaron. I'm, I'm a big proponent of we need to make immersion school mandatory for all of America. Well, <laughs> it, and they don't have enough spots right now for everybody who wants to be in it. Right. So it's still a lottery system instead of even having the same number of spots for the number of people who are trying to volunteer. Well, I first learned about them in college because, back, believe it or not, back in Milwaukee, they have six of them in Milwaukee. Uh, yes, they have two for French, two for German, and two for Spanish. Oh, wow. And the waiting list in Milwaukee back then was amazing. And I'm like, how hard could it be to recruit teachers from these other countries to do this? Uh, and I think, it, 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 to me, it's a matter of national defense because we are terrible in intelligence gathering because right. we figured the rest of the world's going to learn English. So, And we should be more adventurous and have immersion schools and things such as Arabic. Yes. Uh, besides, Arabic is a very old language anyway, so there's a lot of history to figure out, too. Okay, so you go to law school, you do that, and then were you always interested in what you've pursued, which is family law, but were you very interested in being like Law and Order, Alec McBeal? <laughs> I was... Harry Mason. <laughs> I wasn't sure what kind of law I wanted to do when I started law school. I thought maybe immigration law, but after my first summer is when I started doing... Uh, work with domestic violence survivors and after that that's what convinced me that I wanted to do family law So very early on that's what I discovered and started gearing all of my classwork to match up as best as I could with family law That's great because I know you do a great job taking on in Texas. We call it CPS, right? right. Child Protective Services whereas your job to make sure that your clients get the best defense possible uh, make the state or is what Mark once said when he was defense, or I think he's defense again, but he was a private defense. He says, make sure the state earned it, that the state works as hard as possible to make their case. And uh, as somebody on the left as well, I'm like, I don't want the state to overreach. Right. Because as we know, our system is still pretty biased against the poor. It is. The poor Absolutely. get a crappy defense because they're poor. Well, and a lot of poor can't vote because uh, if it's a race thing as well, then racial profiling is a real thing police yeah. will sometimes police juries judges all give black people 
more punishment for the same things that white people do. And then the black people can't get a job, can't do a background check on an apartment, can't do lots of things because right. they're a felon. It goes right back to the chicken and the egg thing. You can't exactly. do this, you can't do that. It's like, well, then what's the point? Right. But it's also odd that black juries are also hard on black defendants, too. It is. And also, for people with mental illness, it might make more sense to do a mental health program instead of jail. Yeah. We, and by might, I mean it would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody who suffers from minor anxiety, I don't know. It depends on the day. Right. <laughs> Some days it's major. Um, but... Yeah, I think we need to put a lot more effort into this and so forth because there's a lot of brilliant people being thrown away that could be helpful. Because I, I remember watching on C-SPAN where Jerry Brown, back in the 90s, was saying, you know, the powers that be make more money having that person incarcerated than letting them go out there and make minimum wage. Right. They spend more money on keeping them all incarcerated. but Yeah. And I think I think that we could you know we could break the cycle and so forth, but and, you know we'd get there and so forth. But then you get the other people like, well, I want to pay taxes. But right. as I've said to my girlfriend's mom, the way it is is not cheap either. It's actually no. pretty expensive. I right. think it would be cheaper to finally step in and start doing something. But I agree. Yeah. What other hobbies do we have? We we've been now working to after the our divorces, our respective divorces, right. which. Our public knowledge on nerd poker with Brian Posehn. <laughs> it turns out Dan Telfer got a divorce too. Oh, okay. I know. I'm like he's such a sweet guy. Yeah, but a big club. I know. Yeah. Well, it's I, I, it was a club I was hoping to avoid. Right. <laughs> it's not a club to be like woo welcome. It, I I don't know about you, but I know with some of my college buddies, I like my one college buddy who I'm. We had a fight recently, but we'll be friends again. I know the one thing I had to assure his wife is like, I'm not coming to visit to spread the gospel of divorce. <laughs> you know, like, stay married. Trust me, stay married. It's oh, so God. much cheaper. It's true. But uh, what other... We've been doing... We've been hitting the stand-up shows. Uh, we were yeah. supposed to go see the great Joe DeRosa, but that'll be rescheduled. Uh, we, we go to stand-up shows. We love stand-up comedy. Absolutely. Who are some of your faves? I loved John Mulaney. He was great. James A. Caster, I would love to see in person. He's a British comedian who I like a lot. Uh, Hannibal Burris is another great one who I thoroughly enjoy. And no one else comes to mind at this exact... Oh, Patton. Patton Oswalt. Oh, are you going to go see Patton this summer? He rescheduled for June. I know I'm going to go see him again. No, I, I need to check that and see how much... Check it out. Are. He's uh, mid-June. Uh, he's doing two shows because he sold out right away for the first show. Oh, perfect. Uh, he was supposed to be earlier, and the week he was about to come, he broke his leg. Or no! foot or something. Yeah, he broke something and tell, told us couldn't come. But he still made it here to be for South by Southwest to plug his movie. Well, that's important. Yeah. I um, also really love John Oliver. <coughs> yes. John, yeah, John, John Oliver I would like to see... He's excellent. Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty amazing because uh, stand-up is definitely an American-Canadian art. And it doesn't translate. Even other English speakers, it doesn't translate well. Like, you just don't have this army of Australians or, or New Zealanders or Brits that do it. Right. And it definitely doesn't work in other languages because I can't think of any French ones. No, in England, they kind of have a different setup with their comedians. They do have stand-up. Like, James Acaster does have a Netflix special, actually. Okay. And it is fantastic. And, but 
Other than that, they do other interesting things with their comedians instead of having them do stand-up comedy. They have a lot of game shows where the contestants are all comedians. And I think also, ever since I was a kid, they everybody gets a sketch show. Yes. Yeah, Simon Pegg had a sketch show. Jennifer Saunders had a sketch show. Uh, Anyone who wants one. Hugh Laurie, who we all know is that grumpy doctor with a cane, had a sketch show. Oh, um, yes. I knew who he was before he was cool. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For House. He was always cool. Well, yeah, I remember, you know, Hugh and Laurie, right. And then, right. And uh, uh, somebody's friend, Brian Peter's Laurie. friends. Right. Uh, yes, yes. And also from Jeeves and Wooster, which is based on the book series. Okay, that one I don't know. By P.G. Woodhouse. Okay. It's excellent. But I hope to introduce you to, like, uh, when he comes back, Joe DeRosa, of course, everybody knows as the crooked veterinarian in Better Call Saul. Oh, he He gives um, uh, the, the tough guy, the, the guy who's the tough guy and, um, from uh, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. He's, the, he's Saul's uh, fixer, that actor, Jonathan Banks. Perfect. He he goes. To, Jonathan Banks goes to him for drugs under the table when he gets wounded and injured. So that way, because when you go to the hospital, there has to be a report. So Joe DeRosa is the crooked veterinarian. Uh, and then we got to see Carmen Morales, whose show is now on HBO, where she splits oh, it with good. another Hispanic comedian. Uh, I hope to take you to Esther Pota. I can't say her name. It's Polish. <laughs> But oh, yes. You know who I'm talking about, Esther, who she has a special called Hot for My Name, since Esther is a very old Hebrew name where she says people hear my name and expect me to be a middle-aged woman cabbage farmer right. from Ukraine. Uh, for me, of course, Kathy's going to snicker because my boyfriend, Dana Gould, is one of my faves. Uh, Eddie Pepitone is another one. Maria Bamford. I... Oh, I love her. Yeah, Maria is the greatest, especially voices. For me, I'm not snooty or smarter than other people, but I just can't resist the absurd. That's, I love the absurd. That's also why I'm a big fan of Blink Patch or Brian Posehn's vulgarity. Right. Um, there's so many comedians. I was one of those nerdy kids who started memorizing the crap on HBO in the 70s. But we hope to go to more of those shows. We got Moon Tower. I hope right. you will make it, uh, at least get one night off to go to local comedian J.T. Haversat's Altercation Fest around Halloween. Uh, I tell everybody I recommend it. For $100, you can go four nights, all four nights, to a coffee house on the east side of uh, borderline East Austin. It's around Airport Boulevard. Oh, it's yes. called Kick Butt Coffee. They keep the kitchen going all night. JT sends out invites across the United States and Canada. Most of the people come in, do a type five, type 10, and then we'll have a, a big A-list headliner, such last year was Tom Rhodes, Eddie Pepitone. Wow. Uh, in the past, he had Carmen Morales. Uh, this year he had, well, last year, besides Eddie and Tom, he also had a lady who was pretty famous for MTV named Brandy Posey, I believe is her name. Hmm. She was pretty good. Uh, there were other people who are up and coming. I would definitely say be on the lookout for this one young man named Chad Opitz. He's in the San Francisco area. My brother, and you're going to laugh, my brother now does booking for vineyards. Oh, really? And even has his own stand-up, which I need you to watch. I can't <laughs> watch him do his thing because he's my brother. 
That's understandable, I've, and I would be happy to watch for you and tell you, you how it Jer is. Jeremy's, Jeremy's judgment so far has been, I want to like him. He needs to work on it. Right. And I grew up with him, so I can't be honest where it's... Because my first reaction when he first told me he was doing stand-up, he already done the Second City classes in Chicago, and that's when oh, I found out... a lot out, of great people come out of that. Well, I found out there's two tracks, oh. and Dan Telford talked about it too. There's the track where the real people, Colbert, Carell, Sedaris, right. got right. to go. And then there's the for-profit where they delude people they think they got it. My brother went into that program knowing it, and he told me some horror stories. But uh, he did do some things. And then later on when he told me he was doing stand-up, I had to laugh and bite my tongue going, but I'm the funny one. I don't know why you're doing this. I'm the funny one, and I know my limits, and I don't right. do that. I would rather write and be behind the scenes, and I get a good joke or two out on Twitter and all, but I prefer having a steady paycheck. I can but understand he, that. It's hard to get yeah. up. But he books this vineyard thing in the San Francisco area where he lives, and I tried to get names from an altercation. He said... He's like, oh, it depends. You gotta remember, these are middle-aged people of Vineyard. We don't want jokes about weed, ass eating, and I can't remember what else. But I remember the butt eating came to mind pretty quickly. I was like, what is that they're talking about? I don't know. Right. Um, I'm Gen X. I don't know what that is. Uh, so he he does that. So you have to have friendly people like John Mulaney. He could somebody who does John Mulaney level or Pete Holmes humor he would probably book but he'd met chad and said yeah chad is good and i let chad know my brother plans to book you in december so i recommend chad opitz but some of these people you see may be the stars of tomorrow and some of them are like oh i remember this person a long time ago but it's really a great money and last year it was fantastic because it was brian posein's first show on the road since covid so oh, he had wow. all new stuff and being in a place where there's only 100, 120 people with Brian Posehn, greatest. And he told me the truth of how he got to be on The Mandalorian. We hope to do more of that. We're going to get our D&D game back online with Opal. Yes, yes. What other heroes do you think we could be? I'm not sure exactly. We'll have to talk to our other potential players. How about Star Wars? I want to play Star Wars too. We could do that. We could do that. We can make Kathy play. We'll pressure our producer into it. Because Kathy likes Star Wars. I do. There you she go. Does. She just doesn't like D&D. &D. There, there, there is a tough line to cross with some people. There is. It's true. Yeah. But I want to thank you for everything, Elizabeth. We're going to yes. close up. We're going to do some stingers for the music podcast later. Sounds and good. I hope a lot of people are really excited to have met you. And uh, I know I've been thrilled every year knowing you. Uh, especially the fact that you believed my stupid stories were true. <laughs> they were um, all true. They were all true. I, I know when you tell people that Gary Gygax was an asshole, then they're like, okay, I can believe that. Right. Versus like, oh, he loved me. No, he hated me because I was a 23-year-old snot-nosed punk. Mm -hmm. It's life. So anything else you want to tell to all the great people who've known me over the years across multiple countries and regions and colleges and five high schools? No, just to say that thank you so much for having me and this has been great and I am so glad you have a podcast. Thank you for being my first successful female guest. <laughs> <laughs> 
Glad we, I could help. We might have a sequel. I think we're going to do some sequels with some guests. What do you think, Kathy? Definitely. Definitely. We heard definitely first. Perfect. All right. Take care, everybody.